You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop. Hello and welcome to Triviality, a game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Jeff and I will be your host today. Joining us in the studio, we have a few special guests along with our normal hosts, but I'll ask our scorekeeper Ken to introduce everyone. Yeah, hey guys, uh, I'm back after my vow of silence. Uh, the other day I was uh, braving some of these Chicago temperatures. It's been pretty much below zero every day and I went to order a pizza, found my favorite place was not on Grubhub, so... Unfortunately, I had to break that vow of silence and give him a call, get that uh, get that sweet, sweet cheese. Well, I'm sure Papa John wasn't too happy that you didn't... Uh... It was not Papa John's, <laughs> Neil. Thank you. Uh, well, anyways, to my left, we have our normal hosts, Neil and Matt. How are you guys doing? Good. How's it going? Yep. Normal as ever. Yeah. And uh, they're going to be Team Triviality today. Mm-hmm. To my right, we have our guests, Ryan and Justine. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Cold. Doing quite well. Thanks for having us. <laughs> and and together, your team, Chostein. Yes. That's that's a combination of uh, Ryan's last name and obviously Justine's first name. So uh, without further ado, I think we'll uh, go ahead and kick into the game. But first, a rules uh, introduction by Sam Carr. There's a whole crowd of people out there who need to learn how to do the cream. Well, my name's Sam Carr, and I'm here to say the rules of the game in a major way. First, you answer ten questions, and that's the first round. Then ten more questions, and that's the second round. Halftime bonus, swing round theme, that's how you be the cream. Answer ten questions, and that's the first round. Then ten more questions, and that's the second round. Bet on the final, 30 points each, that's how you be the cream. The cream of the crop! So, uh, Jeff, am I mistaken, or was that from uh, The Office? No, I, I believe that may be the tune for the Scarn. The Scarn from the uh, Threat Level Midnight? Yes, a, uh, a song within a film within a TV show. Very good. Well, that was hilarious, uh, Sam, so thanks for uh, sending that in. That was awesome. Uh, we're going to make sure we replay that theme many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really liked that. 
Brent did a great job last week as well. If that's something that you guys would like to do, just go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast and support us as a United States champion or higher. Yeah, and we have a, a sort of an influx of Patreon supporters come in at the end of December and the beginning of January. So thank you to you guys. Jeff, uh, who are those names? Yes, thank you very much to our new supporters. Zach Nolick, Liz Hudson, Sam Carr, Joe Wen, Paula Forrest, Russ Friedwald, and Phil Sanford. Thank you very much. That covers, I think, up to current from all of December and January. So we really, really uh, appreciate that, you guys. Uh, it's been really great. So thank you. Thanks to all of those Patreon supporters. We really do appreciate it a lot. Uh, before we get into the game, uh, why don't we kind of get to know our new contestants a little bit? Um, so what brings you into the studio today? You guys big trivia fans or just kind of passing by? So, yeah, thanks. I actually, I love trivia. And there was a part point in my life in which I considered myself good at trivia, uh-huh. and then I listen to your podcast and I realize how unintelligent I am. So We feel the same way while we record. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, though. Um, I guess like as long as I know the theme of trivia, I feel like I'm pretty good at it, but I just find it really entertaining. Yeah. Fun. Well, we hope that it's entertaining for everybody. <laughs> um, so without further ado, uh, want to get started, Jeff? Sounds good. Everybody ready? Let's do it. Great. Question one. I've heard that this 1977 album by Fleetwood Mac is the eighth best-selling album of all time, selling over 40 million copies. I feel like there was a little hint in there, Jeff. I don't know anything about Fleetwood Mac. That's I'm a shame. useless. <laughs> I saw Fleetwood Mac uh, at a show when I was like 12 or 13 when I first uh, smelled pot everywhere. Uh, it was with Ario Speedwagon, and Mick Fleetwood had a... Uh, giant symbol behind him, which I thought was cool. So it was it was nice to see them. Um, but uh, like a gong. It was a giant gong, yeah, um, which was pretty cool. But he didn't. He only used it like twice in the whole show, and I thought it was just a really big waste for the roadie <laughs> to have to carry that everywhere. How many times do you want him to hit a gong during the show? Though? I would say if you're bringing out like a two thousand pound gong, you should at least hit it once per song. Mm-hmm. Look, they're Fleetwood Mac. They can afford the roadie. <laughs> now, was that uh, is that where you started your tradition of your Fleetwood Mac sex pants? Uh, well, the Fleetwood Mac uh, sex pants uh, started when I had a, uh, a, a tryst with uh, one of the lead singers who shall remain nameless. <laughs> Is your answer Fleetwood Mac sex pants? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. So they're locked in with the answer. <laughs> so I, uh, I wrote down with Matt here. I think Jeff's clue was I've heard maybe. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. But I, the only thing that came to mind is I believe one of Fleetwood Mac's best-selling albums is a self-titled album. So that's kind of where I'm at, Matt. I don't know what, yeah. what you're thinking. Um, that's better than uh, anything I have because it's probably the name of one of their albums. So we should probably go with that. Cool. So we're going to lock in with uh, Fleetwood Mac self-titled. All right. So you're just saying Fleetwood Mac? Mm-hmm. And Chostine is going Fleetwood Mac sex pants, but I have a feeling that Ken wants to chime in here. Uh, rumors? It is rumors. Um, no points nope. to start off today. That does nothing. Question two. On a 12-hour clock, you may need to reference AM and PM to tell you if it's 5 in the morning or 5 in the afternoon. What do AM and PM stand for? Mm, I didn't know this at one point in time. I actually opt for the 24-hour clock on my uh, cellular phone. It's much more easy much simpler is that what we would call military time so military time is when you remove the colon really correct i hear that's also a uh, cosmetic procedure in la you can get that's true. <laughs> yeah we we're locked in all right team trusting we went after midnight and pre-midnight oh we had the same terrible answer <laughs> after midnight and pre-midnight well if you thought about it uh what separates a.m from p.m midday so it's ante, before, and post meridiem, midday. Oh. Okay. 
After that question, I'd like to take a Tylenol PM and wish that never happened. (laughs) O'Neill, your brutal beating is still awaiting you. Just wishing the day away. This is Jeff getting mad at me that I somehow beat him one-on-one against all odds. And he, he turned in his jersey to, to Ken and, uh, in Rudy fashion and said, I'm done. Yeah, he's walking away. I like how Neil always says that my games are revenge for prior games that I've lost to him. Everything you do is revenge, Jeff. You're a very vengeful person. It's a dish best served cold. Mm-hmm. Question three. What country has a 20-mile border with China via its panhandle known as the Wakhan Corridor? This panhandle was the closest that British and Russian colonial influence ever got, though we had no trouble being there. I think we've come up with an answer. Okay. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> it's definitely an answer. Fair enough. We'll, we'll lock in, too. We'll I lock think. in. Yeah. All right. Team Triviality, what'd you say? Vietnam. Okay. Uh, we said India. Uh, India is a little bit closer to the country of Afghanistan. So, Afghanistan separated... Um, current Pakistan from the Russian Empire, so mm. that was the closest the British and Russians ever got on land, 20 miles. We were thinking of the wrong U.S. invasion. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so many, it's hard to count. So far, the board is clean. Wow. The board is clean, that's right. Uh, thanks for the score update, Ken. We can expect no less from Jeff's question. It's true. Question four. This video game series name references the fact that it was supposed to be the last project for its developer. Fortunately for us, that was not the case. What then? You got anything? Um, I haven't played many video games recently. He's going to say it, and I'm going to go nuts, because I'm going to know it. I know. <laughs> was The Last Revenant, was that Square Enix? I don't know who developed it, though. I think they were the publishers. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that game. I hate this. This is the rare occurrence where I know the answer, and I can just gloat on the other side of the table. <laughs> this is a this is a case of the, the microphone jitters, I think. Mm-hmm. Because knowing Ryan as I do. Yeah, yeah. Ryan and my brother are the biggest video game guys I, I've known. And they play every game ever released. More or less. More or less, yeah. And and so this is interesting. No, this is this is driving me nuts. I have a feeling it's a Japanese title, though. All right, I don't want to hold up, hold up anymore. I'm gonna, I'll lock in. Okay. okay. And what did you lock in with? The Last Remnant. All right, and Matt. So you did say the... The developer is Square. It was um, the last. They were going bankrupt, and it was their last game, and it was their Final Fantasy. Oh God! <laughs> Come on! I was thinking that oh. too. Ryan's looking around for a bridge to jump off. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> That's so bad. I should have known that one. You are right. When you said Square Enix, I was like, "Oh, he might, he might yeah. work his way back to it." I was trying not to have a tell at that mm. point because I was That's like, "Ooh, so, that's so easy." That's I'm all, all right. <laughs> off to a good start. Focus up, focus up, I Ryan. This. I got this. Question five. Today's question five comes from Peter Wynn. Thank you for that, Peter. Words sometimes have two meanings that are the opposites of each other. For example, the word "out" can mean visible or invisible, as in the moon is out or the lights went out. What is that called? These are always things that I mean to look up because there's names for like all of these things and then I never do. And that would be beneficial at this exact moment in time. Oh my God, it's it's too early. My brain. <laughs> the answer is one word. I'm allowed to ask that. The answer is one word and not like hyphenated. Um, so there are actually five acceptable answers um, that all mean this. Uh, one of them is hyphenated. Oh God. There's five answers. We have zero. There are five acceptable. Yeah. The English language overfloweth with words to describe this phenomena. 
Uh, I was out late last night. I just want to point that out. Oh, I know. I saw some photos you were tagged in at like 3.30 this morning. So, <laughs> Okay. So what did you say, Team Triviality? Uh, I said Antagon, which I don't know if it's a thing. Or Antigen, perhaps? Okay. Yeah. Which might be a Lord of the Rings character, to be honest. <laughs> I'll say Antonym. Oh. Uh, so... It's commonly known as a contronym. Oh. Okay. Also acceptable, an auto-antonym, mm. an anantodrome, antogenym, and antilogy are all acceptable uh, wow. words for this phenomenon. So surprisingly, they're both on the right track. They were, they're both pretty close. close. Yeah. Good question, Peter. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Question six. Manfred von Richthofen was better known by what colorful nickname? That's a guess, but I, I think that's right. My answer is either right or really embarrassing. Uh, we're probably the same. Uh, we're in. Yeah. That, uh, we're in. Okay. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Rainbow Randy from Death to Smoochie? <laughs> yes, Rainbow Randy. <laughs> is that his name? Rainbow Randy? I think so. All right. Um, uh, Team Trivati, what'd you say on that um, one? We went with noted pizza maker, the Red Baron. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> We went with Manfred Man. Oh. <laughs> Very uh, colorful. No, ace pilot Manfred von Richthofen was known as the Red Baron. Yeah. So well done, Team Triviality. You See, were close. Now as I'm hearing the last name, I knew it was Red Baron. <laughs> How much would you pay for the Red Baron to physically deliver the pizza by plane to you? It would cost quite a bit as he's deceased. I'd have to resurrect him first, pay those costs, and mm-hmm. then take it from there. I mean, Fair currently point. we can't resurrect somebody, so what, you'd have to clone him, wait 18 years for the pizza to arrive? It might be worth it, though. Yeah. Triviality listeners, weigh in. <laughs> Does he cook the pizza on the biplane? Well, no. The Red Baron brings you small pieces of paper that you have to put in the microwave that have silver on the top or whatever that is oh as a conductor, <laughs> and then you put the pizza on it, and he microwaves it for you. Uh, correction, Rainbow Randolph. Oh, correct. So I was close. Question seven. What was the name of Adolf Hitler's German Shepherd? The dog shared its name with a 1970s, 80s, early new wave band. Don't call me for the answer, though. Hmm. Oh. Oh. Okay, looks like Triviality's in. I also have <laughs> This is the only thing I have, but I know this is not it. Um, I'm not going to sing it. Go ahead. No, it's like, call me, call me, da, 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 da. Anything could be a dog name. You know how many terrible dog names there are? Have you ever been to a dog park? People just shout out all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Cubone. You're like, why would you name your dog that? Uh, Pokemon. I would call him, and my bigger one would be called Marowak. Yeah. Ugh, gross. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get this, but I think that's the song he's referencing, but that's no help. Why not? All right, we'll lock in our false answer. All right. <laughs> Triviality's all set. Mm-hmm. All right, Team Chessine, what'd you say? Uh, Duran. And Team Triviality? Uh, we thought it sounded like a good dog name, and the clue of, uh, I think I forgot if you said Don't Call Me or something. We thought of Call Me by Blondie, so we said Blondie. Yes, spelled differently, um, but the same name. Blondie was the name of Hitler's German Shepherd. Yep. Uh, Duran Duran took their name from the uh, Barbarella. Jane Fonda film? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the story of, of Blondie is very sad. Hitler actually poisoned the dog uh, to test out the suicide pills the day before he took his own life, and he was actually more heartbroken about the dog, as was everybody else in the bunker, than he was his own wife. Jeff, your games are such downers. <laughs> but it's Hitler, so yeah. it's an upper. It's, it's all a downer. Uh, everything, everything is depressing. Moving on. All right. <laughs> question, <laughs> question eight. What international organization, headquartered in Washington, D.C., consists of 189 member countries working to foster global monetary cooperation, secure financial stability, facilitate international trade, and promote high employment and sustainable economic growth? Mm. Don't be confused. 
this is not the organization Tom Cruise worked for. Okay, so it's all about money and finance. Well, I think I think of this World Trade Organization. That's because I'm I think just that's taken right. from the question. So, as a person with a degree in economics, this is really embarrassing that I don't know the answer to this, <laughs> and I used to know the answer to this, but I haven't been in school in a few years. Um, finance. I've heard, and as soon as you say it, I'm going to be really upset. You're a movie guy. Come in with the some, some Tom Cruise stuff from Cocktail. What bar did he work at in Cocktail? Does that help? Look, I, I hope this is right. I came to it from a movie angle, but I, it could be completely wrong. I will accept the abbreviation okay. for the record. I can lock this in. We don't have much of a streak to maintain right now anyway. <laughs> no, you do have a streak to keep going. No, yeah, we do have a streak to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that locked in. Streak for the cash. Okay, we'll, we'll lock ours in. Okay. All right. Team Justine, what did you say on this one? We said World Trade Organization. The WTO? Yeah. Okay. And what did you guys say? So we came at, at it from a movie angle. He said Tom Cruise uh, doesn't work for them in actuality, and Mission Impossible, he works for the IMF. So we said IMF. I said I would take abbreviations, so I will give you IMF. It is the International Monetary Fund. That's what it is. Yeah. I had written down like International Global Monetary, and I was just trying to like put them all together. And then when he had IMF, that's kind of when good, it hit. Good deduction there. Yeah. I'd love to see C-SPAN coverage of the IMF working uh, by John Woo. Lots of doves in the main atrium. <laughs> and uh, I was able to confirm that Duran Duran took their name from the character Dr. Durand Durand from Barbarella. Oh, and now you know. The more you know. Question nine. The NFL uses a personnel test named after its creator to evaluate the cognitive abilities of eligible draft candidates at the NFL Combine. What is the name of this test, which features 50 multiple choice questions to be answered in 12 minutes? Mm. Uh-huh. I have actually taken this test. It's fairly interesting. Uh, Void Kampf. I believe it was uh, Vince Young who famously got like a three on it. Or, like he, <laughs> he scored so terrible on it. And I believe on the other end, Matt Ryan has mm-hmm. one of the highest scores of like 49 or 50 on There's it. a lot of uh, debate on it has biases against certain, I it mean, definitely like, like does. any kind of standardized mm-hmm. testing it's going to have. No, it definitely biases. does. I've, I took it for that purpose just to see how... And how biased it, it was. And were you closer to Vince Young? <laughs> I was I was closer to Matt Ryan okay. than Vince Young. <laughs> so this you can just take it online? You can find it? Yeah, they have them online. Oh, well, I want to see if I'm as good as Matty Ice. Where did he get that nickname? Well, because he has ice in his veins because he's always calm under pressure. That's true. I believe that's what it is. I, I could be completely wrong. No, I believe you're right. Always calm under pressure unless he has a, a huge lead by halftime. <laughs> you mean like a, like 21 points up? We got a streak to maintain here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go with it. Say it. Uh, the Lombardi test. <laughs> All right. <laughs> team, team Chostine going with the Lombardi test. What did you think, Matt? Uh, it's the Wonderlick test. It is the Wonderlick test. That's, and that's one of those that if you don't know it, you're not going to get to yeah. it. Cause yeah, there's no way. Wonderlick wasn't a famous quarterback or right. anything. No, and they use it in things other than the NFL. It just happens to be one of the most prevalent uses of that particular test. We actually, that's our fourth in a row. Uh, yeah. Nice um, job, team. From a rough start, you guys uh, climbed to uh, five on the round so far with one question left. Unfortunately, Cho Steen is yet to score. But uh, the second round should be uh, promising for them. To our uh, listeners uh, like Wesley Wells and uh, David Ruffetto, anyone who posts their score on the comments, just throw in your Wonderlick uh, score on there as well, just for fun. <laughs> I would love to rank all of our listeners based on their Wonderlick score. <laughs> yeah, from Vince Young to Maddie Ice levels. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question 10. Final question of round one. What element must be present as an ion or in a molecule in order to make a solution an acid? 
<laughs> That's right. Neil Neil knows everything there is to know about elements now. I gave up all of that. Like a hard drug. <laughs> Neil actually gave up acid. So it's New Year's resolution. <laughs> you should know this. You know medicine. I know. It's like coming to me. Talking about chicken mm-hmm. scratch. What are you writing down there? You can't read that. I can't read that. It says right? onion. I know you're hungry right now, but... I am. <laughs> Where's yeah. my craft services, Neil? We've come up with an element. Good. That says onion again. It doesn't say... How is it saying onion? <laughs> onion? That's a, that's an element? That's <laughs> you're, thinking, you're thinking that? Yeah. Chloride? Yeah. Do you want to just go with that? Yeah, I think we're going to lock in with that one. Okay. And what did Team Triviality say? Uh, we said chlorine. The principal function of an acid is that it must lend either an ion or an element of hydrogen. Mm. Neil, yeah, you've <laughs> shamed us. I, it's true. I wrote the first thing I wrote down. We so well, the first element. So, sorry. what's your what's your what's your degree in again? Don't make me hit you. <laughs> Science. So uh, during that question, Neil ran out of the studio and came back in with a bag of jerky. I'm not sure why he produced a bag of the chewiest food known to man on a podcast. <laughs> But uh, but thanks for that, Neil. Yes, I've been very much enjoying it. Just dip it in water, it'll slide on your gullet easier. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good joke. That's what she said. Well, uh, Ryan and I and uh, Ken watched uh, The Fly last night by David Cronenberg. And so, uh, Jeff, you should just be regurgitating on top of the jerky and then eating it. Mm-hmm. All right, after the first round, uh, Triviality has 50 points. And Team Chosteen is keeping it clean. And they're going to get started off in the second round. We want to be unencumbered by those points. Right. <laughs> those pesky points. Right. So the mid-round, second round, that's where you're going to fly away. Um, I'm thinking that the mid-round will probably appeal to both teams. I know Ryan and Neil both have a great love of film. So this is a film mid-round. Yay. It's all about the movies. So I'm going to give you ten different movies. And what I want to know is who was the top billed actor or actress in that film? Neil already signaling to Matt that things are going to be okay. (laughs) That is my uh, cue to just kind of take some me time for the next few minutes. Back, take a nap. Number one, Roadhouse. (laughs) Number two, Runaway Train. (laughs) No, number one, Roadhouse. Number two, what's another Patrick Swayze movie? First one, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Number two. Pacific Rim, number three, <laughs> Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, number four, Tropic Thunder, number five, I Know What You Did Last Summer, number six, Spotlight, number seven, The Help, number eight, Jurassic Park, number nine, L.A. Confidential, and number ten, Mystic River. Got some nice ensemble casts here. It's uh, yeah, this a little is, tricky. Yeah. Number one, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Number two, Pacific Rim. Number three, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Number four, Tropic Thunder. Five, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Six, Spotlight. Seven, The Help. Eight, Jurassic Park. Nine, L.A. Confidential. Ten, Mystic River. 
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or well, call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so uh, for our listeners, uh, Team Trivialities left the studio uh, to allow Team Chostein to discuss. And uh, we need all the help we can get, so. Speaking of the help. I think we're good. Okay. okay. No, no, no. Sam Neill is not top build for Jurassic Park. What? No, it's surely like Richard Attenborough, though. He's got to be top. No. He probably has the and. Or the width. Tropic Thunder. Ben Stiller. Yeah. I know what you did last summer, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Who else is in that? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar was in that movie. Because she had been top build. Who is, like, Mm -hmm. what was Hewitt in prior to this? She's the main character. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar was, I think she was third victim? Yeah. Okay, Spotlight's for sure, Michael Keaton. Um, I forgot her name. In The Help? Yeah. Well, we can put Octavia Spencer just for, as yeah. a placeholder okay. right now. Just think about it. I mean, Isn't I have... is Kevin Bacon in that? Mystic River? Uh, hmm, no. No, you're thinking of Footloose. No, I'm not thinking of Footloose. <laughs> There's another ensemble movie with where it's Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon is is widely known for not being in very many movies besides Footloose. And Tremors. That's a fun movie. No, he's... I, like, I, he's, I, I, I think uh, Tremors. That's, what, that's why he's Six Degrees of Separation guy, because he's in so much stuff. Yeah. All right, so both teams are locked in with all ten answers. For sake of simplicity, I'll go Chostine and then Triviality each time. So let's start with Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. We went with uh, Ian McKellen. So uh, I just want to make a quick statement here. Uh, Jeff, this is one of my favorite questions you've ever written, uh, film-related, because it could have been very easy, but all of these are ensemble casts, and uh, coming at it from a um, 
sort of like an industry thing. A lot of these people, and I mentioned this to you when we were deliberating, a lot of these people in these casts could have been an and or a with, which is sort of a sign of respect in Hollywood uh, as far as credits are concerned. So it was very hard to narrow down who these could be. And, and every answer, I gave Matt basically three names of who it could be, and we kind of, it was a toss-up each time because it's it's kind of hard to quantify who would be top build because sometimes it's uh, an older actor who's more respected. Sometimes it's who's the biggest box office draw. So very good question. Just tip, tip of my hat to you. But uh, the first one, we just simply because he was the king, we went Viggo Mortensen. So on that one, um, I believe he was top billed for all three movies. It was Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. Elijah yeah. Wood was really? one that I was fighting for. <laughs> so. Yeah, we, we thought it might be too simple, but yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. And on the second one, Pacific Rim, what'd you say, Chostine? You want to say it? I can't pronounce his name. You said it. Idris Elba. <laughs> so this one was tough because we, we said it could either be Idris Elba or Charlie Hunnam. Uh, Charlie Hunnam is the lead in the film, and he was kind of big for Sons of Anarchy, but he wasn't big enough, I don't think, at that point. But we went Charlie Hunnam. So uh, I have that it's Charlie Hunnam. Ah. I can't. I'm shocked at that answer. <laughs> well, Idr- Idris shocked. wasn't uh, big enough in the U.S. at that point. Um, I mean, he was on the wire and everything, but I just don't think he would have had um, box office draw to be a top billed actor. But that's. I mean, I could be wrong. Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. What did you say, Jostine? We said Ben Affleck. Yeah, and this one uh, again, the top three would be Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, or Henry Cavill. But it is, as Matt said, when we were deliberating, Batman versus Superman, so we went Ben Affleck. It is Ben Affleck. Sorry, I'm losing my voice today. It's Ben Affleck. (laughs) Not what I was going for. It is Ben Affleck. You didn't want to go uh, Jesse Eisenberg on that one? Uh, All right. And Tropic Thunder. We went with... uh, Ben Stiller. Yeah, we we also went with Ben Stiller um, for the fact that he directed the film, and we thought Robert Downey Jr. would have gotten the and or with with Tom Cruise in that one. Ben Stiller was the top billed actor in that film. Look at all these points coming your way. Yeah, it's, it feels nice. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Justine, what did you say on that one? Jennifer Love Hewitt? Yeah. This is the one that I was the most insistent on and said Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Well done, both teams. Yeah. Good work. <laughs> Finally. All right. Who do you think the top build actor or actress in Spotlight was? We went with Michael Keaton. So this is a tough one because you're looking at either Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, or Rachel McAdams. And we thought Michael Keaton being sort of the... Uh, the older actor would have gotten the and or the with, so we went with uh, Mark Ruffalo, actually. So I've got Mark Ruffalo. Ooh. All right, Justine, what did you say on the help? Uh, Octavia Spencer. Even though Octavia Spencer won the Oscar, we actually went with Viola Davis. So the studio actually gave the nod to Emma Stone as wow. the top build in that film. Oh, that's oh, right. I forgot goodness. about Emma Stone. My bad on that one. I forgot about Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> How could you, Neil? All right. And Jurassic Park. So, what was Chostine's consensus on that? I was waffling between Sam Neill and Sir Richard Attenborough, but since Attenborough is in it for only a short period of time, and Sam Neill, was he kind of relatively unknown at the time? Oh, I mean, he, he had been, uh, I mean, he is the lead of the film. Yeah, so we went, we went with Sam Neill. We went with Sam Neill, too, because we weren't sure. We thought Goldblum wasn't a large enough character to get top billing, and uh, we thought Attenborough would have been like an Andrew with. Uh, it, does, it does revolve around uh, Sam Neill. Oh, good. Nice. Okay. All right. Another tricky one. I was in the uh, other room with Team Triviality on this one. LA Confidential. What do you say, Team Justine? So we were waffling between Nicole Kidman and uh, Kevin Spacey, which now I've seen the film, but I believe Nicole Kidman is on the cover. So we went with Nicole Kidman. You've never is, seen the film? It is not Never. Nicole Kidman. Oh. It's not Nicole Kidman? Who's on the cover? The Oscar winner is Kim Basinger. Oh, um, but so we were thinking it was either Kim Basinger, Guy Pierce, Russell Crowe, uh, or Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey supporting 
it's probably Kim Basinger now that I think about it because she won the Oscar, but we went with Russell Crowe. Well, they didn't know who to promote before she won the Oscar, Neil. So it was Kevin Spacey. Uh, That's bad. I, I see which Nicole is, Kidman's face. That, that one is pure star power. Yeah. Like Russell Crowe and uh, Guy Pearce are the stars of that movie. Yeah. And Mystic River, another great ensemble piece. What did you say, Team Justine? I think it was Robert De Niro when I last saw it, like years ago. Robert uh, De Niro is not in that film. Okay. God damn it. Yep. Yep. Well, it's not Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon is in the film. Oh, he yeah. is? But the correct answer is... Uh, we went with, we went with uh, Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Okay, so after the uh, mid-round, uh, Triviality was able to rack up 35 extra points, and Chostain is on the board with 20, bringing the totals to 85 for Triviality and 20 for Chostain. Moving into the second round. Thanks, Ken. So, round two, question one. Which NFL team's stadium could practically be a CFL team, as they're the closest to Canada? Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right, we're locked in. Okay, um, triviality is locked in, so you guys can feel free to discuss. Wow, that's really wrong. <laughs> is it? That's really wrong. Let's let's hear this I really feel, wrong answer. I wrote I wrote down Green Bay. Is, is that? Is it Green Bay? It's or, pretty north. Yeah, that's up north. Then. Yeah, but closer to the Canadian border, right? Yeah, that's north. Where do you think Canada is? I don't know. North. <laughs> 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 South to Mexico. Northern teams. How far mm. is Detroit from Canada? I thought that was pretty close. Detroit. You no, are at least uh, naming okay. uh, cities with NFL teams, so you're in the right, right <laughs> ballpark. What about the Vikings? Minnesota the Vikings. That's, that's that could be. I think we should just lock in with that because that's the best yeah. I got. So three three good prospects so far. We we came up with three answers, and then Matt uh, had a, a nice guess for the. Yeah, we were looking at um, Seattle. It's pretty close. Uh, Buffalo, New York. Um, but we actually ended up going with uh, Detroit because I'm pretty sure that you're able to kind of go right into Canada almost from Detroit. See, that, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. That is correct, but I don't know where the stadium is. So just for reference, uh, of all the ones mentioned, um, I believe uh, Green Bay and Minnesota are both about 250, 250, 300 miles away from the border, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. uh, like 200, 250. Um Seattle is 63 miles away. Cleveland Browns, right across Lake Erie, are 30 miles away from the Canadian border. Eight miles from Buffalo to the Canadian wow. border. And less than a mile, you will find the Detroit yeah. Lions Stadium from the Canadian border. I had just it. went with yours. Oh. <laughs> yeah, thanks, uh, Chris McClellan, uh, actor. I worked with great guy. Um, he used to t- that helped us out because he told me that he used to go over the border with his friends. Yeah, so. I had a friend who they took a trip to Detroit, but they also got their passport because they said that they can just go right over to Canada. Yep, so. I've been to many MAC Championship Bowls at the uh, <laughs> Lions Stadium. Yeah, it's quite nice. The Silver Dome. Is it still the Silver Dome? No, it's not. I don't believe so. Silver Dome collapsed, didn't it? it sure did. <laughs> Question two. British police officers are nicknamed after the man who formalized their order in the 19th century. What are they called? That's an answer, and it it makes sense, but it's not right. <laughs> but I'm okay with it. We're locked in. This is this is wrong. But <laughs> Let's say beef trust. No, it's beef eaters. Oh. I know it's wrong, but it has something to do with my breakfast this morning and the order. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Jeff is currently a beef I like eater. I my answer better. I, th- I, I think this is I think this is close. Yours is way wrong. I just meant I had a bottle of gin for breakfast. Oh, I thought you talking about your jerky. That you have a bottle of beef eater for breakfast. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll lock in. 
You're locking in with Beefeater? Yeah, Beefeater, the Queen's Guard. All right. If you had a bowl of gin for breakfast, that would explain some of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you say, Team Triviality? Uh, we went with Bobby's. Bobby's. Yes. A oh, nickname, common nickname right. for British police officers. <laughs> uh, yeah. I do believe Beefeaters were, I don't know if British, but yeah, like a, like a Queen's Guard yeah, or something. I know they're not police officers. They're at but, the Tower of London. Yes. Yeah. Question three. The 1990s were dominated uh, by Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon in the NBA Finals, both winning Bill Russell Awards, six to Jordan and two to Olajuwon. Name either of the two NBA players who won in this period. Who weren't those gentlemen? So calendar years 1990 through 1999. Yeah, I mean, because they won the 89-90 season. That would be him. We can name either. Yeah, either. Okay, Team Chostine is locked in with an answer. Triviality, did you have some yeah, discussion? we're locked in, yeah. Oh, you want to discuss? Oh, yeah. I mean, so we basically we talked about, um, so the 89-90 season, the Pistons won the NBA Finals, uh, and I'm just torn between Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is the more likely answer. And then we were looking at the 98-99 season, which I think was the Spurs' first win, which would have been Tim Duncan's second year. Uh, and I was torn between David Robinson and Tim Duncan, but I think we're more sure about Isaiah Thomas, so we were going with Isaiah Thomas. Team Tristine? So I was just coming up with names in my head, <laughs> so I don't know. It's all right. Go ahead and say it. He went with Charles Barkley and Kobe Bryant. <laughs> okay. They're totally wrong. I'm so just looking for one answer. I was just looking for one. Oh, That's correct. Charles Barkley. Okay. You're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, I figured Matt would have some uh, some idea here. So, you are right. The, it was bookended. Um, 90 was the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Um, you were between Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas. Dumars won it in 89, and Isaiah Thomas yeah. won it in 1990. Then three for Jordan, two for Olajuwon, three for Jordan again. And the San Antonio Spurs in 99 with Tim Duncan. So, yeah. you had both of them. All right. Really close. Shaq then went on a three-year run yeah. with the Lakers. Because 99-2000 was Shaq through. Duncan won it again in 03. So mm-hmm. uh, it was like six players for yeah. 15 years. And then 04 was Billups and with yep. the Pistons. And then Duncan again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Ben from Trivial Warfare. Yeah, uh, for the... Uh, 89 Pistons. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so question four. I'm going to have three listener submitted questions in a row here now because it's been a long time since I've hosted a game that wasn't a game of death. Also, he didn't want to write questions. No, I feel bad that I had questions sitting in my inbox for like two months. So uh, so question four was provided by David Wilkinson. One of Loki's many children, Slepanir, is an eight-legged stallion. Who is his mother? <laughs> is this in Thor Ragnarok? I didn't see that one. I don't believe it's in Thor like Ragnarok. <laughs> no, this is just regular Norse mythology. Uh, well, that idea? could potentially help you get to characters if yeah. that's your main source of knowledge in Norse mythology. It sure is. Is Kate Blanchett an acceptable answer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know anything about this, obviously. Um, oh, actually, no one else would know that, but I do not. Um, um, talking to you, though, not that they're going to even take this answer because it's so absurd, but uh, Loki's kind of like a trickster, so maybe he turned himself into a woman, had a baby. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he could have done it. Doesn't seem outrageous. Because I, I know no female names in any Norse mythology. I just know Loki's bad and, mm. and some other. <laughs> that's all I know. And then there's some Vikings and then yeah. something. Okay. If you have that's one name, name I'll go with your one name over my no name. Odina. <laughs> that's a good name to have, too. 
Okay. Uh, we're locked in. All right. Uh, we're locked, locked in, in as well. All right, Team Justine, what did you say on that one? Freya. All right, so they go with Freya and Team Triviality? We're going with uh, Lady Thor. Lady Thor. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm disappointed, Neil. You should, have, you should have kept your joke answer. Loki, in order to not mm. lose a bet, shapeshifted into a mare in heat, used his feminine wiles to distract a giant's horse, and was impregnated. So he was the mother of his, <laughs> of his child. Makes sense too. That does not make sense. Don't say, <laughs> <laughs> don't say that makes sense. Yeah, because he was low key. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, so, question five today, the real question five, is from Asha Yosef. So, name three of the four Division I universities which share their name with a color. Hmm. And I'm looking for the name of the university, so not like their team. So the Stanford Cardinal oh. and the Syracuse Orange are not what I'm looking for. Uh, so I'm looking for the universities which their full name is a color. Mm. So for the record, because I wrote Bowling Green, that yes. does not count. Correct. Gotcha. That does not count. Oh, okay. So I, I did a little bit of research into your question, Matt. And um, there are five total that have colors in them at all, if you include Bowling Green. Okay. So. Just there are four that are just color names. Mm. Just those three. I don't care. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've lost interest. I'm in. I'm in. What was it that Next you said so uh, last week? Uh, you said if you don't immediately know, you just give up. Yeah, usually. Your New Year's resolution was to think a little bit longer on. And these. I did. I thought a little bit longer on. There you this go. One. Maybe I needed to attend some mm. of these universities. <laughs> get some more knowledge. Yeah. All right, Team Chostine. What was your one answer? Brown. And Team Triviality? So we had Brown. Um, I think that there's a, a Cheyenne University, which I think is also a color. Okay. And then we went with Ivory, which I don't think is a school. So you both uh, clued in on Brown. So far, so good. <laughs> you hear that? Brown. Your your other ones would be uh, Auburn, oh. Oh. Navy, Jesus. and Siena College in New York. Siena. Yeah, that's, you know, once so you no say them out loud. no points to be had? No points to be had. That's a really easy once you say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. Question six is care of Jonathan Berlingeri. Thank you, Jonathan. According to ConcertHotels.com, which pop artist has the greatest vocal range based on their recorded music? Mm. Oh, I know. Don't cry if you don't know the answer. Nah. Uh, it's uh, all right. wrong, too. <laughs> Are you guys locked in? We'll, we'll lock in with yeah. this one. All right. So, our... Thinking, I know, I'm pretty sure it's a male vocalist just because their low notes hit much lower. So the vocal range between the low and the high is much bigger than, and like, you know, I know Ariana Grande and Mariah can hit like higher notes than yeah. any male, but I think the range from the low to the high, um, the males have an advantage. Say, like, um, so we were, we were looking at uh, Axl Rose, um, Steven Tyler, who are, they're more in that rock range. Um, and then I, was thinking Justin Timberlake because of Crimea River, but I don't really remember him hitting a lot of high notes. And then we just came with Frankie Valley and Big Girls Don't Cry. I was thinking Ariana Grande because uh, she does have a great range, but then we went with Justin Timberlake. <laughs> so it was mentioned, uh, Don't Cry is a Guns N' Roses song. Oh. So that would... It was Axl Rose. It's Axl Rose. Yeah, I was I was repeating over and over that Axl Rose has the best range uh um, statistically speaking, because he's operatically trained, but when he said pop artist, I completely like crossed out. I was like, well, let's not even go with it. It's pop. Yeah. Especially at the time. Number seven. The 2017 movie Breathe, starring Andrew Garfield and Claire Foy, had what actor as its director? 
So let's think about movies Garfield's in, in which maybe he acted with someone and he worked with them again. More specifically, he is an English actor. Mm. From West London. Oh, you've been there. Yeah. How's West London? Neil's fourth home. After New York, LA, and Chicago. We have a incorrect answer locked in. We'll, uh, we'll lock in ours as well. All right, what'd you say, Team Triviality? Uh, the old Gary Oldman. All right, and Team Tristine? We said uh, David Attenborough. I think Ken knows the answer to this one. Ken, who do you think it is? It's uh, Andy Serkis. It is Andy Serkis. Oh, oh man. It's quite good. Many a mocap I role. I haven't seen the new Star Wars yet. I haven't either. That Let's he go. plays Snoke is a spoiler, spoiler, even though he's in Force Awakens <laughs> yeah. as well. You ruined the movie for me. <laughs> it's over. I'm out. Question eight. What is the name of the cylindrical map projection commonly used for its ability to render lines of constant course? You might want to send lobbyists to Jed Bartlett to have it changed in schools. Uh, was that English? That was English. Was that a... Um, that's a West Wing West reference. West Wing reference. Jed Bartlett. Uh, West Wing. <laughs> Got it. There's like a whole episode about how they hate this certain map projection. <laughs> so funny oh man it's always lambasted for being terribly so misrepresentative yeah, yeah it's the thing that makes um right everybody thinks that greenland is gigantic right i mean it is huge but, but like <laughs> twice the, the size, size of, of africa, africa. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what that's called i know what it is but it's it's probably named after the guy who created it and i just this is what um buster bluth went to school for Cartography. Cartography. Oh. The study of maps. The study of maps. Hasn't everything already been kind of discovered by, you know, Cortez and <laughs> NASA? If only I was a cartographer. A silent cartographer. For all the Halo fans out there. <laughs> I recognize uh, the answer to this question from Jeff's ramblings all the time. I know. Jeff's big on maps. But Jeff's big on things. Yeah. We We're will. locking in with this one. Okay. And what'd you say? Dome thing. The dome thing. <laughs> uh, the only thing I can think of with maps is the yeah, yeah, yeahs. So <laughs> Ken thinks he, he remembers it from uh, my incoherent. Mercator? It is the Mercator projection. Yeah. No idea what that is. Question nine. Paul Revere's famous ride was not his. At least uh, not the 345 mile one he gets credit for. What colonist was robbed of his rightful place in the canon of American history? That really sucks. You know this? Yeah. Uh, Arliss, the guy who was on the show Arliss, Robert Arliss, he had a, a history thing that he taught. It was like unknown history of the United States. And one of them, it was not Paul Revere. It was this guy like Israel something or something Israel Esquire. And then, or. Let's just go with Hoover. That's fine. Uh, we have an answer that sucks. <laughs> Do you want to lock in with, with Decker? Yeah. Sure. We'll lock in another answer that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are onto the right thing uh, in that it's a vacuum company. And Neil had the first name, Israel Bissell. Bissell. Oh. I knew it was Israel. I knew it was Israel. I, I just cannot think of the last name. All right. Last question of regulation. The Thankfully. Great Pyramid of Giza is in what city? Yeah, that seems right. But probably not, because that's easy then. I don't know if this is it. Mm. I, do, I think this is too obvious. Right. I'm very proud. I did Matt category writing for the final. Oh, so. Good. so we will have no idea what, we'll we're, no idea what you're, voting, <laughs> you're putting your points on. We're locked in. Perfect. Uh, we'll lock in our wrong answer. Oh, perfect. All right. Team Trustee, what do you think is the wrong answer? We said Cairo. Ah, All right. We Team Triviality? To the same conclusion and said Cairo. Well, neither of you is wrong, so don't feel bad about it. Oh, it's Cairo. Oh, okay. Ding, ding, ding. 
we played this game in reverse, you would have been really confident. (laughs) (laughs) That brings Chostein's total to 30 and Trivialities to 125. All right. All right. Now time for the final round. So I've got five categories that I'll read to both teams. Then I'll get their wagers and uh, then I'll read the questions. Category one. Now that's irrational. Math question. Category two. The times they are a changing. Category three. Well, isn't that special? Mm. Category four. I don't have the energy. Category five. How high? So you said you said that your your categories don't give away what the questions are about, but because we know you, we can figure out all these. So the first one's going to be an irrational number question. All right, don't give it away. Second one's going (laughs) to. It's only fair. All right. All the wagers are in. Question one. And now that's irrational. Which irrational number is approximately 2.7? Number two. The times they are changing. What part of men's clothing, often seen in suit attire, used to be detachable to aid in cleaning? Question three. Well, isn't that special? Which band holds the record as the only group to have five songs simultaneously on the top five of the Billboard 100? Mm. Question four, I don't have the energy. C6H12O6 is the chemical formula for what substance? Question five, how high? What is the highest nation in the world? That is to say, the country with the highest low point. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. So all the answers are in? Mm-hmm. All right. So on to question one. Now that's irrational. What were the wagers on this one, Ken? It uh, looks like Triviality went with 10, and with the Oakland 5, we have Chostein. All right, let's go to the high wager of Triviality. What did you say, guys? What what number is approximately 2.7? I couldn't think of anything, but uh, I just put the square root of 7. Okay. Team <laughs> Justine. It's irrational. Square root of 3. Uh, so E is that's, the irrational number. That's approximately 2.7. I thought of E and then quickly left my brain. There's like E and pi. Those are like the two irrational yeah. numbers you should probably e, know. E would have been a little too easy to say. Uh. No. Easy would have been if it was A. Question two. Uh, What were the wagers on the times they are changing, Ken? 
Triviality with 20. Chostine with another Oakland 5. Mm. Chostine, what did you say on this one? We what part of men's clothing used to be detachable? We went with collar. Mm. Team Triviality? We also went with collar. Yes, collar. Uh, I'm thinking very specifically of a scene in Boardwalk Empire when Steve Buscemi's putting on his collar yes. separate from his shirt. The origins of the blue collar was when uh, poor families would color their collars blue because they couldn't afford to clean them every day, like white collar folks. Mm. That must have been a more recent invention because blue for a very long time was a very expensive dye. So yeah. interesting. Well, isn't that special? What were the wagers, Ken? Triviality with 20 and Chostine with another five. All right, Triviality on the high bet. What did you guys say? Which band? The Beatles. Chostine? The Beatles. It is the Beatles. Yeah. Question four. I don't have the energy. What were the bets? Ten for Triviality, five for Chostine. All right, what'd you say on that one, Triviality? Uh, Based on energy, I think being a clue, um, I put down caffeine. Okay, and what'd you say, Team Chostine? I put carbohydrate. Uh, So very specifically, it is uh, the molecule glucose. Mm. Small, simple sugar. I mean, glucose is a carbohydrate, but... Not all carbohydrates are glucose. Yeah. Okay. And how high? What were the bets on that one? 10 and 10. 10 and 10. All right, Triviality, what'd you say? Um, we were thinking somewhere in South America, a lot of mountain ranges, smaller countries. We went with Peru. And what were your thoughts on this one, Chostine? So I'm not confident. Maybe it was the average low point, but we went with uh, Nepal. Nepal is a great guess uh, for two reasons. One, um, if you're looking for a high low point, you probably don't want to pick a country that has a border on the sea like <laughs> Peru does. Um, so you're looking for a landlocked country uh, that's pretty high. Uh, that would be Lesotho, the landlocked country within South Africa. Oh. Has the highest low point. Uh, probably never going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ken, what were the final scores? Okay, so uh, during the final round, uh, Triviality gained 10 points. Chostine lost 10. So the final scores are 135 for Triviality and 20 for Chostine. Triviality, you are today's cream of the crop. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. Yeah, that was a that was a really hard game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ryan and Justine, uh, normally they're not that hard, so I'll have to invite you back another time. There was a point where we had seven out of eight in a, like correct, and I was like, this might be our best game ever. And then uh, we fell off the proverbial Mount Pichu cliff. <laughs> and, uh, it was rough the rest of the way. It was certainly a humbling game for our, our first game. Yeah, this is really fun. <laughs> we don't we didn't force her to say that. <laughs> I'll give you the 20 bucks later. <laughs> Thanks again to Ryan and Justine for joining us in the studio and my co-hosts uh, Ken, Matt, and Neil for being scorekeeper and playing along as well. If you want to engage with us, just find us at trivialitypodcast.com. You've got links to all of our stuff there. Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we very much appreciate that. And for all of us, that was Triviality. Merry New Year! Happy New Year. In this country, we say Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you for correcting my English with stinks. I am Nanja Ibuko, exchange student from Cameroon. Ha 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 Beef jerky time. You want some beef jerky? Oh, please.
Plinti, ¿no?